Welcome to episode 18 of Hug Your People. This is Kevin. Today, the topic is Dad, shut up. Um, and I haven't heard those exact words, but I've seen the look. I've seen the look. So I feel your parents, I feel what you're going through. Welcome to episode 18 of Hug Your People. I think there comes a point in every parent's life where you get that dreaded uh, vibe or look or um, even conversation where it's kind of like you're, you're not the cool parent anymore. You're, you don't even, uh, you're not even perceived as the person who knows what's best. I really thought I had um, a few more years, but I, I was able to shed some light on the subject for myself. And so I want to talk to you about that, about uh, you know the dad shut up mindset, or it can be mom shut up, but I'm a dad, so I can only put it through my, my filter. Um, so if you are a mom and you're listening, you know you can put it through your filter, and maybe you've got some experiences that are relatable. Um, a good friend of mine messaged me, and she was asking me about um, about what I meant a few episodes back when I said that my stepmother had brought something to. She'd call me out on something, and I don't know if, that I fully explained it. Uh, I, in fact, having received the question, I know that I didn't fully explain it to as a good um, as a good learning point for me. But, um, so I'll just tell you that story now. So we, my wife and I, we split up our duties as far as treatment goes. And so on Mondays and Fridays, I am, I'm the solo dad, meaning Baxley and I go to treatment, just the two of us. And my wife works on, um, on Monday and Friday on Tuesday and Wednesday, those are my days to work. And, um, and Suzanne and Baxley go to treatment on their own. And then Thursday we all go together. Thursday is normally our chemo day, so we all try to stay together for that day. Just, um, you know, extra buffer, you know, if we need to. Uh, generally, that's when we need to talk more to the nurses and they ask questions if they're new to our family, things like that. So that's kind of the schedule, and that's what happened. So one day, it was the first day that I was, it was a, the first Monday, I think, that I was solo dad um, in treatment. So we were going to Proton, and we got to Proton, and I'll be honest, I was a little nervous, not for... The fact that, can I handle this? Can I, you know, it's just that I didn't want Bax to be anxious about anything or worried or anything like that because I think it was the first time that we all hadn't gone. Um, or at least for me it was. Uh, and so I don't, I don't remember if it was the first time we all hadn't gone realistically or if it was the first, just the first time that I had gone. But it, it doesn't matter. You know, the, the point is that I was feeling a little more on, uh, on, on the spot, a little more under pressure, a little more just, I was anxious myself about it. And so what the default was, and this was subconscious, I didn't intentionally decide to do this, but I just started really over being overprotective and um, asking, how you doing? How you doing? How are you? How are you? How are you? You know, that annoying question you get is like, ah, I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> you know? Um, so I was doing that. And my, my, my stepmother drew, she came by treatment that day. She was in town with my dad and she came by treatment that day and got to see Bax and, and she, she and I have a really great relationship and um, she's been in my life uh, 25 years, 20, 24 years, something like that. So she knows me and she's seen, through, seen me grow through all the changes. And uh, she, said, she asked permission. She said, hey, Kev, is it okay if I point something out to you? And I said, of course. I was like, sure. You know, because I have blinders on a lot of times. Uh, my emotions and my feelings, they, they just by default put blinders on, on on what I'm doing. So I have to really be careful 
of my actions and I've become self-aware of that. And this was sort of the, the pivot point of becoming self-aware of that. She said, can I share something with you? I said, sure, of course. And she said, I think he's fine and you're not and you're putting your uneasiness into him. I think if you wouldn't do that, he would be okay. And I was like, well, immediately regretted saying, yes, I'd love your opinion. <laughs> immediately regretted <laughs> Um, but you know, I, I, I love her and she, she, she was coming from a great place and she wasn't trying to insult or, and she, she was very kind in her words and gentle. And she, the, the, really the, the big point is she was right. She was right. And so I started thinking about that. I was like, okay, well through all of this, all of the stuff, you know, all the unpleasant stuff that we have to do, I have to not put my feelings into backsleep. I have to read him and show up the way that he shows up. If he's loosey-goosey, doesn't care, is happy, just wants to watch his iPad or play his games or do a puzzle, you know, then I show up that way. If I'm feeling anxious or nervous or whatever, I, don't, I can't inject that into him um, to make me feel better. You know? And so the, the dad shut up kind of thing was, it came from that. It really did. It came from you know, how many times in business, because you know, I'm a business coach, how many times do I tell my clients not to talk past the sell? You know, meaning once someone says yes, then roll with it, go, right? Show up how you want to show up. And that's exactly what I was doing. I was trying to continually prod and get it and until I got the answer that I was, was looking for. Um, and and I, it wasn't intentional. That was just something that was pointed out to me. And so, um, so when my friend messaged me last night, I really thought I was like, uh, you know, I probably do need to talk about that a little deeper, not only for... Uh, some deeper understanding by people who are listening, but for deeper understanding for myself. And that ultimately is what all this is, is th that's the real root of all of this is so that I understand on a deeper level myself. The byproduct of that is I really hope that it helps a few people out there. I really does. I, I really do. Um, I really does. That's, that's my tired brain. We are on our, uh, our last few days in Florida and I think the whole family is just about over it. <laughs> Um, not that it hasn't been purposeful and not that it hasn't been as, as good as possible. It's just, you know, anytime seven weeks in a, in a basically what is essentially a hotel room and treatments every day, it, it just, it's, it's worn on us. So my brain, forgive me if I make some uh, language stumbles here and there, but I'm not going to edit it out. Um, so, so I think, you know, I, I really hope that it does help some people out there by me just talking about it. It certainly helps me. So the, the dad shut up mentality came from that, and I realized I needed to explain that story a little bit more. And, and I think, you know, that was probably a big dad lesson for me that I will take through for the rest of Baxley's life. Where am I talking past the cell because I need a certain response? And where do I need just to, or is it better just to read off of his energy and his vibe and let him be? Let him be happy. Let him be sad. Let him be mad. Let him be pissed off that he has cancer. Let him be that. And don't try to talk him out of it, you know? And I think that's the deeper point. Because it's real easy to sit there in that moment and say, well, he's happy. Let him be happy. That's easy. It's hard when your son is crying and pissed off because he has cancer and he's not like the other kids and he can't run and he can barely walk. It's real hard when he's pissed off in that moment to just let him be pissed off because our inclination is we want to take it away and we do and that's part of being a parent and then 
the other part of being a parent is to give our kids the tools that they need to survive as an adult. And if you can't deal with anger as an adult, you're in big trouble. I know people that can't deal with anger as an adult. And it's not a fun existence, I would imagine. You know, and it's not perfect. I, I'd struggle with dealing with anger, but I acknowledge it and I try to. And I think that allows me to let my son be angry. It allows me to let my wife be angry. It allows me to be angry um, and channel it in appropriate ways. You know, my anger is not going to change the fact that Baxley has cancer. It's just not. So what is my anger for? It's very self-serving. My anger is just for me to say my thing and to blow off some steam, I guess. So that's what the anger is for. You know, the counterbalance to that anger is when things are happy, show up even more than you do when things are not. Meaning, invest more in the happy times than you invest in the angry times or the jealous times or the hard times. Invest more emotionally, spiritually, intellectually. Invest more when things are really, really good than how hard this is. You know, and so that's why there's a lot of behind the curtain, sort of behind the scenes work that my wife and I are doing um, because we don't want we don't want Baxley to, for it to be any harder on him than it is. We are blessed that he's young enough not to have a full grasp of everything that's going on. You know, when we're talking to the doctors about surgeries and treatments and drugs and, uh, you know, medicines and uh, the, all the stuff that just goes with this, I'm glad he's not more aware of what's going on, you know. I'm glad he's not. You know, when my wife can't sleep and she goes in the other room and and, you know, I just check on, I wake up to check on her, you know, like my son stays asleep. He doesn't need to see that part, the hard part in us. He's got his own hard part, you know, and I think that for me, that's been a big, big parenting lesson. It really has. It's been more of, you know, and I, I see this in, in sometimes I'll get approached by parents to coach their, their kids and normally it's their either elders, older high school, you know, 11th, 12th grade, that kind of age group, or they're um, about to leave college. Those are kind of the two windows where parents might reach out to me and say, hey, would you talk to my kid? Um, and one of the things that I always say, and I didn't piece it together until recently, I always tell them, it's happened probably six or eight times, and I always tell them, I say, I will coach your kid, but I won't coach them based on your agenda. I will talk to your, your son or daughter uh, this, at the, about this phase in their life, but what I won't do is coach them based on your agenda. I'll coach them based on their agenda and what they tell me. And a lot of parents don't like that <laughs> because the reason they call me is so that I can get their kid to do something they're not doing. You know, can you get my son to go to college? Can you get my daughter to stop dating this this, this guy or to stop doing this? And and then at college, it's like, can you get my, my kid to take life seriously? And, and you know, I just don't, that's, that's not what we do. That's not how it works. You know, you can try that, and it may work for a small amount of time. Long-term, it's going to create resentment. Long-term, it's going to create rebellion. Long-term, it's going to backfire big time. We all know that. That's not news. I didn't come up with that. That's just, that's just how it works. So I think what we have to do, and the big lesson I've learned is, you know, I have to let my son be my son. He has to be Baxley, and he has to be um, equipped to deal with all of his emotions because cancer is not going away from, um, from our life. 
it's, it will be not a big, not as big of a part of it as it is right now, but it's never going to go away. So that was the big, uh, the big dad shut up, dad shut up moment. Uh, and it wasn't him telling me that it was me telling me that saying, dad, you know, shut up, allow, allow him to be him, allow him space, uh, hold space for him, hold space with him, but allow him to be him and support him in whatever way he needs me to support him. If he's happy, man up and be happy. You know, if he's sad, allow him to be sad and just hug him and tell him it's okay and let him figure it out. You know, and I think that's... My wife and I had a moment this morning where um, she 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 didn't sleep very well and um, I just went in and checked on her. And um, she was pretty upset and rightfully so. And she, she was upset... Um, because of we're leaving here, we're leaving the Proton Institute, we're leaving Ronald McDonald House, and on the one hand, that's fantastic, we're excited. On the other hand, um, and the reason she was upset is Baxley has to go back and be around normal kids, and kids who aren't bald, and kids who don't have cancer, and kids who don't understand that he gets tired quick and that he can't walk and that um, he can't be. He can't do the things that most kids do right now. Now, he'll be, he'll be at a point in his life where he gets back to that. But right now, he can't. And he's aware of it. He's aware of it. And he'll say, Daddy, I can't run. And I don't think he's sad about it. Because I think he knows that it's, it's, not a, it's not forever. But my wife is sad because he just feels so included here. He just feels so, like, you know, one of the guys, for lack of a better phrase. And, and I think, you know, when... I think her fear and my fear too is once you get around normal kids is at what point does he start putting two and two together and at what point and how is that going to impact him is it going to impact him at what point does he see um, does he have a desire to do the things that he's not able to do and I think that's something that nobody knows you know and I think that's what got her upset that she was torn that she wanted to stay here because we have a great community here Baxley's met great friends and they're all going through similar stuff. And I think that speaks to the power of community. No one can really understand what a family goes through when their kid gets cancer unless they've been through it. I can tell you all day long what it's like. And that's the purpose of this is to bring some awareness and shed some light on it. But you don't really get a grasp on it when, uh, you know, when you wake up on Monday and you have radiation, then you have chemo, uh, then you have your medicines at night and your port's access so you can't take a bath that night and it's summertime and it's hot and you want to go play but you're tired and your legs hurt and you know, you, you, you're trying to pack on calories because you can't lose any more weight. You can't lose any more weight. You have to eat and then you have to fast at the same time so you can't eat anything after midnight until 2 o'clock the next day. So not only do you have to gain weight or, or maintain weight, but you have to also not eat. <laughs> and so it's really this, it's, it's you know, I, I, was, I, I was messaging a, um, a friend of mine who's a really well-known um, trainer uh, in the, the professional sports world. And, and my message to him was, it's like waking up in game seven and it's the fourth quarter and the game is tied and you're the away team. It's like waking up in that scenario every single day. That you're, it seems like no one's rooting for you. It seems like 
you're running out of time. It seems like you're you've you've played every game in the season except this last one. And and I was I just I messaged him. I was like, that's what that's what the daily life is like. Is it just seems like that that's what happens every day when you wake up. And so every night when you lay down, you're done. You're just you're spent. You're exhausted emotionally. You know. You've had all the conversations that not everyone can have with you. You've, you've talked, you've tried to be there for people. You've, you've done everything and you're just exhausted. And so the, the way that we look at dealing with that as adults is we just have to accept some things and let some things go. And the big thing we have to do is just let our kids be our kids and let them have their own day. You know, and when Baxley goes to sleep at night and he's peaceful and he sleeps 12 hours, that's a great thing. That means his little body needed some rest. It was tired. His little mind needed some rest. It was tired. Or when he just gets so tickled uh, and, and wants to dance, like, turn the music up. I don't care how I feel. How I feel is unimportant. If that little boy wants to dance, dad up, show up, dance with your son. Period. No matter how exhausted you are, no matter how sad you are, no matter how mad you are, no matter how far... Uh, how much money you owe or how much money you make or how, what you drive or what's, no matter what's going on, that little boy shows up and wants to dance, I dance. And so does my wife. Sometimes my wife's a lot better at prompting the dance. She's a, she likes to dance. And I'm much better at prompting the guitar and singing. <laughs> and so, which he's, he hasn't quite gravitated towards yet. Uh, he may not, but... So, so I think that really has been the important lesson of Dad Shut Up. It, it has two parts to it. The first part is dad shut up, meaning Baxley could very well tell me that because I'm not serving him. I'm not serving his emotion. I'm not serving what he actually needs. Sometimes he just needs me to shut up and get out of his way. And the other part is I need to shut up for myself. I need to stop the, the voice that says this is too much. I need, the, I need to stop the voice that says what happens if. I need to stop the voice that says um, I can't do this. Or feel sorry for myself, you know. All the, that voice has that that has to stop, and it it has done. I've done a great job, I think, of not listening to it. it. You'll never get rid of it. It's management. You have to manage it. And so that's where that idea came from. Was all the things that we tell ourselves, especially when it comes to our kids. You know, we sometimes we just need to shut up, and, and sometimes we need to just admit that it's not that we know best; it's that we show up best. You know, and the old because I said so line that my parents used and that probably uh, I've used before and that a lot of people have used, that old, the old I said so line, it doesn't work when you're battling cancer. It doesn't. Arguably, it could not work when you have a normal childhood. So I think the challenge is for all of us as we leave this, this episode of, of Hug Your People I think part of hug your people is to just hold them, just hold them, whatever they need, just hold them. You know, it was long ago, I I was going to my first funeral, and I don't remember who gave me this advice. I don't remember. I wish I did. But I was going to my first funeral, and I was nervous. I didn't know how to act. Uh, I didn't know what to say, you know. Um, And so I forget, I think it was my preacher at the time, my pastor at the time, and the idea was that sometimes the best thing to say is nothing. And sometimes just to hug someone is enough. 
And sometimes a simple I'm sorry and don't talk anymore is enough. You know, and I think that's really come into play here is, is when I look at Baxley, I need within three seconds to gauge what's going on behind his eyes. And if I can't figure it out, ask him and don't project what I think he might think into my actions. Let him direct my actions uh, when it comes to how I show up as a dad. When it comes to decision making and things like that, of course, I'm still a dad. I'm, I'm in charge. But what I can't be is I can't be in charge of his emotions when we're going through what we're going through. So I feel like that was pretty heavy, but it was. I want you to know that I appreciate you listening to these things and uh, that they are very much uh, more for me than, than you at this point. But I hope you're taking something away from it uh, that may be relatable in, into your own life or someone you know or someone you love. And that, that's my biggest hope. There you have it, episode 18 of Hug Your People. Dad, shut up. Man, I feel cleansed after that. That was really good. So a couple things, a couple orders of business. We're leaving Florida in three days' time. Once we get back, I've talked to Drake at Native Sons. They have the hats. The Hug Your People hats are here. I have a 100 of them. I have 100 hats. I've already uh, promised some to some people. They've already sent money. So if you ordered a hat, they will be shipping out next week to you along with some other notes and swag that we've, we've been able to accumulate. If you're interested in ordering a hat, I need you to email me um, at kevin at kevinhoover.org. I need you to email me um, that you'd like a hat. They are one size fits all. They are trucker hats. They're just adjustable in the back and they say hug your people on the front. And we're taking all of that money outside of the expense of producing and shipping the hats. All of the profits, all of the proceeds are going to go to the Mayo Clinic in Minnesota um, and to fund what we can of rhabdomyosarcoma research, which is the type of cancer my son has. So if you've been waiting on a hat, it's coming. I promise next week it'll be there once we get back. If you want a hat, email me and we'll make sure you get a hat. Um, Million Mile in September. We start this thing on September 1st. You can join through the end of the month. We've raised almost $3,500 so far. That's just amazing. Our goal is 15,000 as a team. Um, and we've got, I think probably two or 3000 miles that we're, uh, our team is, has committed to in the month of September. I know it's going to be hard, but I want to be honest with you. When you look at what these kids are going through, running some miles, walking some miles, biking some miles and asking some people to support you financially in that endeavor. Uh, we owe it to this world to help these kids. Alex's Lemonade Stand does a great job, and that's, uh, that's why they will always have a place with me because they were the first place I went when I didn't know what to do. When I was sitting in the hospital room in late March, and we hadn't even gotten the diagnosis yet. We had just heard that it was probably cancer. They were the first place I went. I signed up, I gave them 250 bucks, and I became captain of a team, and here we are. So if you have it in you to move and to help financially, you know, fund this research for pediatric cancer, join my team. Uh, it's go through my Facebook feed. It's all over there. Uh, or just reach out to me and, and I'll make sure to get you the link. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. This is episode 18 of hug your people. And as always, I want you to go out to the world and remember, remember that we're all doing this together. 
we are. No matter what you're doing, we're all doing this together and you're not alone. And just go into the world and hug your people. See you guys.